Omnibus is a production of iHeartRadio. We are Ken Jennings and John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is The Omnibus. You have accessed entry 988.HO1308, certificate number 41871. <gasps> Private Voitech the Bear. Seems like the kind of nickname that, uh, that somebody named Private Voitech would get, right? He's the bear. That's like his CB handle. Yeah. Or maybe it's post don't ask, don't tell, and it's more of an identity for him. Oh, interesting. But it also feels like maybe, you know, in earlier times, before there was CB radios and before people broadcast their identities with different colored handkerchiefs, that, you know, there might be a soldier that was named Wojtek the Bear. It does seem like maybe an evil pro wrestler. Mm. Or, yeah, just a burly soldier. Right, your, before pro wrestling. We're, we're talking about a... I got to get way back before pro like wrestling. prior time. Last week, we talked about uh, the Crimean War. But now we're going to talk about another series of events in wartime, also does, in Russia. Does it involve <laughs> Eastern Europe or Russia in any way? Sorry, we're going to, this is my last one, and from now on I'm going to talk about math problems. So we taught you how to say cavalry. Will this be the episode where you say Soviet perfectly every time? Well, actually, in this episode, cavalry plays a role later on. Oh, wow. So You're going to backslide. super baffled now about what is what, so you know, correct me when I get there. Cavalry is like the methadone of cavalry. Yeah, cavalry. Uh, but Private Wojtek mm-hmm. was actually a bear, a uh, a bear. Like he was literally the species a bear. He was genus Ursus. A bear, the bear. Um, I like how his name distinguishes him from other Private Wojteks who may have been different species. Private Wojtek, Private Wojtek, the, the ostrich. Private Wojtek, the, the washing bear. Right. Private Wojtek, the sentient gas. Uh, the word Wojtek is, or I'm sorry, the name Wojtek is kind of a diminutive uh, meaning happy warrior or like. But it's, know, a, it's a diminutive. Soldier. It's kind of a, it's a cute little guy. It's a. Yeah, it's a diminutive of a, of a Polish first name, uh, Wojtek, which means like the happy fighter, he who is happy in battle. Isn't it great that they have a word for that? What would you say is the English word for he who is happy in battle? Uh, I don't know. Uh, like all of sociopath? them, yeah, all of them come from Central Europe, right? I was going to say Vlad. No, sorry, that's Central Europe. We don't really have a happy in battle, I guess. 
not quite like uh, older names, older languages might have like happy in battle. Maybe G.I. Joe is yeah. our word for happy in battle. Yeah, Rambo. <laughs> Rambo, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, to give you a little backstory about how Wojtek uh, came to be someone that we would lionize, or in this case, Ursulize, um, at the beginning of World War II, as we know, Poland was an area of contention. And before the Nazis invaded Poland all the way... Or annexed it. Or, well... <laughs> Invaded it. Uh, the Nazis and the Soviet Union, oh no, Soviet Union, led by, by Stalin, Joseph Stalin, had agreed to partition Poland and each country would, you know, take half of Poland. And this was kind of more of an annexation. They felt like Poland uh, didn't deserve to exist or, you know, the Poles themselves represented a much smaller group of, of population within what had become a very large Poland. They'd been kicked around by Russia and Germany for centuries. That's right. And this was time for Russia and, and Germany to divide Central Europe to make a new border. It's there. an attempt to keep the peace, which did not last. It didn't last. And the Nazis invaded all of Poland in 1939. But before that, the Russians had committed some pretty major atrocities against the Poles, and in particular, the Polish army, and had executed like a grave number of the Polish officer class, had basically decimated the Polish military by uh, murdering all of their This officers. was on purpose, from the top down. Yeah, yeah. This was an attempt to pacify the Poles and eliminate the Polish military. And it and, was so successful that they needed to go to non-human, well, a non-human officer <laughs> court, I guess it, at least for the non-coms. It, it didn't come to that immediately, but they did deport hundreds of thousands of Polish people, both civilian and army, to the gulags of the Soviet Union mm -hmm. to get them out of the, you know, out of this area of contention so that they weren't a, a divisive group. But then the Germans decided to abnegate that treaty and uh, invaded all of Poland, at which point Stalin, once Germany had sort of conquered all that territory, Stalin decided that that, since Poland no, no longer existed, the Russians no longer had diplomatic relations with Poland. There was no Poland. And so he kind of, um, the Poles became a stateless people, even within Russia. Yeah. But the Poles and the Polish government had managed to escape Poland and relocate to the United Kingdom. And there was a- All of them? Well, the, you know, enough that they declared a Polish state in abstentia. A government in exile right. from London. And also, you know, remnants of a Polish army from London that- engaged in the war with the British, both as pilots and as infantry later. Uh, so there was still an effective Poland, just... Um, it was just located a thousand miles west of where you'd expect. Yeah, in a couple of office buildings in London. But that Polish government, now that Stalin and the USSR were allied with Britain as part of an anti-German ally, mm -hmm. that Polish government in exile negotiated with Stalin so that he eventually granted amnesty, in quotes, amnesty to all of the Polish refugees that were within the Soviet Union. They're in the gulag system still. Right. And allowed the Poles there, now, you know, far into Russia, right? They're in Kazakhstan or they're back in the Caucasus Mountains uh, to form a Polish army or, or elements of a Polish army that would then 
presumably fight with the Russians right. against the Germans. And is that what happened? They got sent to the to the to Russian the Russian front. front. But it it was very clear that the Poles did not want to fight on behalf of the Russians. The Poles had that's, no love for the Russians. That's tricky at that point. And so continuing negotiations with the Polish government in exile, it was agreed that the Poles would be able to leave Russia overland through Iran. Um, there wasn't, you know, there was no capability to do an airlift. Uh, you couldn't go back to Poland. Well, obviously. hold on, John. Couldn't they go to one of my, Russia's many warm water ports? Uh, well, unfortunately, Ken, as we've covered in earlier episodes, there weren't that many warm water ports. <sighs> right. And also, you know, that was... Uh, the Black Sea was also in contention during this war. So, the what is the safe way Second out of World War II. out of Russia for these poles? Well, overland through Iran and then through Iraq, which were also contested territories, and eventually to Palestine, which was part of the British mandate after World War One. Uh, what we think of as the Middle East, Palestine, Lebanon, Syria, were divided between Britain and France mm-hmm. in kind of a situation where the, those two countries were administering those territories. Of course, during World War, at the end of World War I, uh, we were promising self-rule to all of the, you know, Woodrow Wilson had this policy of, of self-rule to all the peoples of the world instead of these kind of colonial governments or overarching governments. But then a lot of those deals uh, went south. When it turned out they would be less profitable for the colonial powers involved. Right. So Britain was like, we'll help you with this independence by being your administrators for a time. But there was a, you know, there was a large English and French contingent there in the in the Levant. What a crazy situation. So you've got hundreds or even thousands of, of Polish soldiers. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands? Of Polish soldiers. That was how many people Stalin had... Yes. I guess you can't say that's not an effective prison camp system he's got going. That's right. Pretty, pretty solid. You know, even the Gulag Archipelago is three giant volumes. So he's got, right, even the (laughs) books about it are too big. So, so they're getting sent down through Iran, Iran so far away. Yeah. to, To meet up with British and French troops on the Mediterranean coast. Right. And it's, you know, it's a long slog. Sure. And uh, they are traveling by train, but also just in convoy. And there, there's a large civilian population sort of bedraggled following along. What are the civilians going to do? They can't well, be repatriated. Well, they're going to get to the Middle East and then take some boats, maybe to London, maybe to France, maybe to, you know, wherever, whoever will take them. But mm-hmm. get us out of Russia is a big part of it. And also, there's a large contingency of Jews in this group um, who are not really, uh, Stalin refused to allow the Jews to matriculate into the armed forces, even into the Polish brigades. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but there was a lot of anti-Semitism among the Poles. Mm, Um, I've heard. Yes. So they did end up uh, joining this Polish brigade as it marched south. And in fact, no less a person than Menachem Begin was a member of this Polish army. He'd been, you know, taken to Russia and then marched out of Russia with this group of Poles. So there were Jewish soldiers in the Polish army. It just wasn't they weren't, going well. Yeah, they weren't like, I mean, they suffered a lot of anti-Semitism from their comrades oh, in I've, arms. I've seen Private Benjamin. I That's right. Believe me, I know how this is. You do. You've known how it goes. You've lived it. You're an ally. Not 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 just a member of the Allies, no, but also, but an, also ally. an ally in general. 
so as they're marching out, uh, they're at a train station in Iran, and a young lady, a member of the Polish refugee group by the name of Irina Bokiewicz, uh, found a little boy who was in possession of a of a bear cub. Was it Christopher Robin? It was not Christopher Robin. It was an unnamed little uh, little Iranian boy who claimed that the that he had found the bear cub after his mother was shot by a hunter. The bear's his the bear's the mother. Bear's mother was shot by a hunter. I don't think the boy's mother was shot by a <laughs> When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout and the little boy is just wandering around the train station with a bear with a little bear like it's a maybe busking or begging and right, the bear is a prop. Now, I, I have been to a town in uh, the east. Let's call it the east. The east, like um, North Carolina. Yeah, no, yeah, like uh, like New Hampshire. No, the east of Europe, mm-hmm. where uh, I was sitting at a cafe, and here along came a man with a bear, and it was a grown bear, and it was one of these bears. Uh, that we're describing, which is a uh, a Caucasian bear from. Did you feel more comfortable when from you this knew? area? Like, <laughs> did I have a latte or something? Like, how did you know? Uh, and it's a member of a genus called the Syrian brown bear, and it's actually a brown bear, not a black bear, but it's small. It's a small sized. It's like a black bear sized brown bear. What is it? Okay, black bears are so what? Roughly human size, yeah. but maybe bulkier. Yeah, thicker? six feet tall, but you know. Quite a few more hundreds of pounds. He chonk. Uh, that's right. He's a little thick. You really are into that chonk thick thing. <laughs> I don't. I'd like to see some of the websites you're going. to. Not to the degree that it's problematic or, right. or no. racialized for no, no, sure. No. But on the on the good side of that line, because as we've established, I'm an ally. Oh uh, yes, you are. As a uh, growing up in Alaska, brown bears and black bears are very distinct from one another. You guys have them both. Yes, we do. And brown bears are giant. Black okay. bears are about human sized, and are kind of regarded as not that dangerous. I mean, you don't want to go up to a black bear and hit it on the nose, but they're not. They want to stay away uh-huh. from you. They don't. They're not like attackers necessarily. Whereas brown bears are. They make trouble. Uh, they're. I mean, I think they are. They're certainly a lot bigger than you or I. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I think they want to basically stay out of trouble, but but when confronted, they won't turn and run. You know, they'll they'll happily charge you. 
But the Syrian brown bear is a smaller, cuter, more manageable size. And this is the one you saw annoying Sidewalk Cafe patrons in uh, in Moldova or wherever you were. So this man had this bear and he came into the square and he uh, had, a, had a stick and he whacked the bear pretty hard. And the bear stood up on its hind legs and the bear had a muzzle mm. on and the bear proceeded to the accompaniment of this man's screechy violin. He was playing Living on a Prayer by he, Bon Jovi? He wasn't. He was playing some sort of uh, Balkan screech music. Love it. Which I'm sure on a different instrument would have sounded better. Uh, <laughs> but he started to play this tuneless tune, and the bear danced. Mm. And uh, this was a... This, was I will, it sad, or was it... It was Fun. deeply sad. I'll, it seems I'll, sad. I'll out the town. It was the town of Stara Zagora in Bulgaria. And Stara Zagora was an, is an up-and-coming town, and the Bulgarians are pretty sophisticated. This is kind of a, this is a nice town that was becoming more and more tourist-friendly mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of, uh, it was a pretty nice little place. And you could tell that the other people in the cafe, and in general the people in the square, were disgusted. Oh, like even to them this was... They were not, vibe and not into it. You know, they were modern folks who were just trying to have a latte. And this guy was making this bear dance. And the bear was obviously, like, tortured. I mean, this is not something you would have been surprised to see in any Western city 100 years ago 100 years or something ago. like Elizabethan London or, you know, turn-of-the-century Chicago, you know, trained animals having to do awful things, including bears. Not uncommon. Not uncommon. And it was impressive in the sense that you don't often see a bear that's been so, uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, domesticated. Mm. Uh, But this guy kept this bear dancing and doing tricks up on his hind legs, you know, trying to collect money from passersby. He was largely unsuccessful. But sitting in the cafe, I wondered about where this bear came from. And what its life was like up until now. And you can only imagine that this man is part of a, either he himself went up into the hills and and found a a cub, maybe killed its mother intentionally to get the cub or stole it. I mean, I don't know how you would steal a cub from a mother bear. I think she would notice. I think you just need a marmalade sandwich or a jar of honey or something and you can say, look over there. Yeah, well, or a little piglet and a donkey and give the bear a kite and then <laughs> grab the grab the cub when it's not looking. Yoink. But uh but so this story about private Voitech uh being discovered at the train station with a with a little boy, a charming little boy who had just saved it from disaster. It always rung a little weird to me because it felt somewhat like maybe the bear had come to this train station via a, a more tragic story. There's a bear smuggling ring. I don't know if the little boy had the had the bear pulling tricks, but like turning tricks. Man, I mean, in 1942, I things certainly were hope not. things were a lot more a lot edgier. You need a hotel detective to settle that down. But uh, Irina or Irina, how would you say the what would the Polish translation of Irina be? I feel like. My opinion as a non-Pole is Good night, Irina. Irena, I guess? Yeah. I well, uh, Irena liberated the bear from the boy. I'm sure paid him some mm-hmm. uh, kopecks. But you do a good deed and look. 
Now you've got a bear. Well, you've got a little bear, a sweet little bear. And they were living in a... Stay. You know the problem with sweet little bears, John. This is the thing. Normally, a sweet little bear would end up being a big problem. And mm-hmm. for them, I think in the refugee camp, the bear became kind of a little bit of a mascot for them and, and was, was a cute little fella and providing a lot of comfort to people, became kind of a, a, an emblem of their little group. Irina was the, uh, was the daughter of a Polish general... And eventually, as the bear grew and became more and more unmanageable by the civilians, a uh, a lieutenant named Anatoly Tarnaviki, Tarnaviki, yeah. Please stop asking me how to pronounce Anatole, Polish things that I cannot see. Anatoly Tarnaviki. <laughs> We're going to play a, <laughs> Ken, it's time to play our game. I will mispronounce a name in a language you don't know. And you will tell me how to actually say it. Yeah, I am sorry to all of all the Polish speakers, but... Anatol Tarnaviki uh, decided. <laughs> Tarnaviki. Tarnaviki. Anatol Tarnaviki. Tarnaviki became the protector of the bear and brought him along with the Polish uh, second transport company, which was part of this kind of uh, coalescing Polish army mm-hmm. group. And they started to march down. You know, they they adopted the bear into their group, and a, a group of soldiers and sort of hardy uh, hardy men were able to manage this six foot tall bear a little bit better. And he was still a teen bear, so hadn't quite filled well, that's out. It's got to be worse, even if it's a teen bear. But they started to feed him, you know, human food. He really loved beer. Did it sleep in the barracks? He, yeah, almost certainly. Probably. Almost certainly did. So he's, but it's, that is the vibe. He's not in a cage. No, he's, no, no. He's, he's, a, he's a tame buddy. He's along with them. He, uh, he's he probably l- imprinted on them if, if he's been with humans since he was a cub. And he learned to march. He, uh, he, he learned would, to march? He would march along on his hind legs. I guess he, that's what they say about the army. It can teach even the dumbest kids That's right. To even, march. The, even the dumbest bear can, can <laughs> end up in the Polish army. No slur intended. Uh, eventually, the second transport company became part of the 22nd Artillery Supply Company. These are supply companies, not combat units. And is this is this an allied thing, or is this the, its own Polish chain of command? This is a Polish chain of command at this time. But by the time they get to Palestine, mm-hmm. then they get integrated into uh, the the British command at at this point. Uh, and during that, when they arrived in Palestine, a large proportion of the Jewish soldiers in the Polish regiments left the Polish army and actually went over to the British army because they were sick and tired of the, of the antisemitism within the Polish ranks. And they actually enlisted in the British army Mm -hmm. because the, because Palestine, you know, they kind of identified more with Palestine as a homeland, which became Israel, um, and became actually, you know, British soldiers. But the British soldiers and the Polish soldiers ended up fighting side by side with one another as part of the original invasion of Italy. Oh, so these are the troops that were invading Italy. These were the troops that then left Palestine and joined up with others to open this front, this Italian front, Mm -hmm. that then marched up Italy. And the Polish army played a major role in the Battle of Monte Cassino, which was this, you know, devastating attempt to capture Rome by fighting this, you know, the, the Nazis were fighting this rearguard action and Monte Cassino became this area of contention. And the Polish Second Corps played a really large role in capturing Monte Cassino. 
and they had a bear with them. And during this time, so as uh, once they got to Palestine and were were joining the British, the British had a uh, a standing rule that you're not no bears. Well, yeah, you're <laughs> no. not bringing any animals. Is that the famous British <laughs> British sense of decorum? <laughs> no bears. <laughs> I'll say. We'll take I have seen the first Paddington movie, and I'm right. well aware what the British think of a new bear in the neighborhood. That's right. They're very suspicious. Let alone uh, in your army. Uh-huh. But, and so the Poles, in order to not have to leave Wojtek behind, enlisted him in the Polish army and gave him a rank of private, and he had his own— Again, we have the Airbud scenario— there's nothing in the rule book that says a bear can't be a Polish private. That's right. You can't bring a bear, but can you bring a private? Yes, of course. Look at this cultural relativism. The British are too afraid to be like, uh, I'm afraid that's a bear. I don't, we, don't, <laughs> sure. we don't care if this is not allowed in your military. The officers are like, is it, is it a bear? And no, the, no, no. The Poles are like, nope. Nope, just a Polish <laughs> person from the mountains. So Private uh, Wojtek joined the Poles on their way to Italy. And uh, during the Battle of Monte Cassino, he distinguished himself. <laughs> really? Because... Killed 150 Italians. He was a member of this supply company, and it was... Uh, it, part, of the, part of the battle was a large artillery bombardment, and uh, he was capable of carrying boxes of artillery shells that were like, a, you know, 100-pound boxes of, of shells sure. uh, that... A human soldier couldn't carry. You'd need many human soldiers That's to, right. to you do need the work a, of one Wojtek. You need a guy on each corner of this big box to move it up to the artillery, whereas Private Wojtek could do it all by himself. And he he really, he was imprinted on these soldiers, and he he also watched what they did and duplicated it. So he had a certain amount of military discipline. He could smoke cigarettes. He, Wait, that's what we call military discipline? Well, I mean... <laughs> he wanted to smoke cigarettes. At that point. He bought a Camaro. <laughs> he cheated on his pregnant wife. That's right. He got, <laughs> he got a Mustang the day he, he enlisted. Uh, but he distinguished himself so much at Monte Cassino that they promoted him. And he became... <laughs> he gets a promotion? Yeah, he became uh, Corporal Wojtek. <laughs> Think about all the, if you're a private in the Polish army, what a slap in the face yeah. that this bear just got promoted ahead of you. You are worse than a trained bear. <laughs> he, uh, I've heard of guerrilla warfare, but this is ridiculous. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's musicians. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. He was so popular with the Polish Second Corps that they made him their emblem. Uh, They put a bear on their shoulder patch. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and Wojtek was, I mean, I'm sure the other, uh, the privates were all like, of course, of course we'll take orders from Corporal Wojtek. <laughs> yeah, who's, who's reporting to him? <laughs> he's a six foot tall, 400 pound bear at this point. So like, yeah, you'd take orders. I guess if him. he can vaguely gesture with his paw, he can be in the <laughs> British military. That's, That's what we true. learned from the charge of the light brigade. That's true. So can uh, this guy like pass a PT test? Almost he, certainly, right? He can, he can, I mean, he may not be able to do that thing where you run through tires, but I'm sure <laughs> yeah, can he can he do the tire thing. I'm sure he can climb up that wall and get over <laughs> it. Is he like in the chow line? Does he have a uniform? How about that? I, he didn't have a uniform. They might have, he might have worn a hat sometimes, but he did receive pay. He was paid. He was paid because he was enlisted in the Polish army. He got all the benefits of it. And then after, uh, after the Battle of Monte Cassino and after the, the, the uh, the second corps kind of rotated out. Uh, he went to England with them uh, because they became part of the Polish army in exile in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then after the war, that sort of Polish government remained in England all the way until 1947 because, of course, what happened in Poland after the war was effectively a Soviet invasion. Yeah, they... they- right? The government exile pretty much had to stay in exile. Yeah, not a government that was welcomed back by the Russians that never left. So is that even harder to explain on some kind of British army base that there's that there's a is that a bear sweeping up the motor pool? Yeah, that's right. That's a bear. Well, so they so the Polish army relocated to Berwickshire in sort of lower Scotland. And uh, Corporal Wojtek became extremely popular with the locals there because who doesn't like a beer drinking, cigarette smoking? Uh, Pol- I mean, he answered to commands in Polish. So I was afraid this was going to be like a Dunstan checks in scenario where the animal raises all kinds of havoc with his antics and borderline crimes. But we have what we have here is a Paddington two scenario yep. where a group of rowdy men is disarmed and charmed. By a lovable little brown bear. And somehow, uh, his association with all of these uh, men, I guess, suppressed whatever the wild animal tendency would be to eventually become uncontrollable or to... What an amazing nature versus nurture test case we have here. Right. I mean, all you need to do with any kind of... I mean, this was the problem with Siegfried and Roy. They just didn't have a bunch of Polish soldiers around to keep their tigers and lions in line. Do you think they neutered him physiologically in some way? I bet not. It seems like they would, uh, if they're going to put him on their patch, they're also going to want him to be intact, as we say. A big virile (laughs) virile bear of a man. But but he became so popular in Scotland that when the Polish army then repatriated themselves to Poland, uh, they left him there in Scotland, and he became a resident of the Edinburgh Zoo. I guess they realize this is more of a wartime thing. Yeah, right. In peacetime, you no longer need a bear sweeping out the motor pool. I, guess, is, I guess Beetle Bailey still has the dog with the hat. The, well, that's not Beetle's dog. That's, no, that's, that's Sarge's that's dog. That's Sarge's dog, right. But, Otto. But it would be weird if Sarge had a giant bear. Well, I don't know. They gave Otto a desk, and he sat there, and who knows what he did. Maybe <laughs> they should have taken Wojtek or Wojtek and given him a desk at the, the Minister of Armaments. But they didn't. And you're right. I think it's that it's one thing to have a regiment caring for a bear. But at the end of the war, if you just like have to take the bear home, you're like. You're walking through the commissary and there's just some bear knocking stuff off shelves. Well, or just that you take him back to your hometown and you're like, I'm a civilian now. Oh, and I brought back this army bear. 
So he lived in the Edinburgh Zoo and was a beloved figure there. I never know if it's okay when you see one of these ex-circus animals or whatever. Um, have we talked about the, the game park out in Squim, Washington, where they have all these retired movie animals? You described it one time and said that some buffalo came up and snotted on you or some animal came I think came it was and, a zebra or a llama right. snotted on Mindy's dad. But they, have, they also have a bunch of cages where they've got, kind of sad cages where they have ex movie animals and the bear will always like stand up and clap when you go by yeah. and at first I'm like oh and then I'm like oh I don't know if I'm into that well we've talked about wolf haven uh, down here in western Washington where they have all these wolves that people tried to have as pets like hybrid wolves and different kinds of wolves that have encountered problems and that always goes wrong I guess it's pretty bad I knew a girl that had a, a hybrid wolf puppy and I mean, it grew to outweigh her, and then it grew to be double her size, and it was terrifying. She would bring that wolf, I mean, even when the wolf was uh, still a puppy, she would bring it into the house where I lived at the time. I admire her commitment to whatever lifestyle that is. Oh, she thought she was very... Some kind of goth. I mean, she was 98 pounds, and she... Oh, the other thing was, she was a member of this new way of thinking where you never say no to an animal. Mm. You don't discipline it, you just let it develop a conscience and a sense of beauty in the world. And this dog, uh, well, ended up at Wolf Haven, or I mean, ended up at a wolf rescue because it was- It turns good. out you cannot it rely was, on a wolf to have the same good impulses as a dachshund. It was, it was days away from grabbing her by the neck and shaking her until she was dead or disemboweling her. Neither thing would have gone over on Capitol Hill, let me just say. But so uh, Wojtek, uh, people continued to celebrate him and he seemed like a happy bear. You couldn't- uh, People threw him cigarettes. Oh, that's nice. But uh, Anim- that's an early uh, kind of animal rights uh, yeah, act. That's right. Hey, yeah, we know you like cigarettes. But uh, the zookeepers wouldn't light them because they're, they're moralizing prigs. So, uh, so he would eat them. So he, he developed... He, he got his nicotine fix. Yeah, he developed a habit of eating cigarettes, which was, you know, maybe these days we wouldn't... That wouldn't be as funny. But I mean, nowadays you would only do that to a zoo animal on a... On like a special occasion. Right. Well, let, and we don't, it's because, because their cigarettes aren't that common. I mean, back then everybody had a cigarette to throw to the bear. Today you would just throw your cell phone. Yeah, right. You'd throw your, your spearmint gum or uh, what, what do people care? You'd throw your kombucha. You'd throw your jewel. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have, uh, you know, wreck the vaping bear. Uh, but he he lived to 1963. He was 21 years old when he died. Is that bear old? I don't think it is. I think that's cigarette-eating bear in <laughs> captivity old, uh, but I think a Syrian brown bear can live. Did I mention that the, that he's of the Syrian brown bear family? I did, didn't I? I think so. You know, Syrian brown bears range, their, their traditional range was all of Palestine, Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, Iran. That's, that's the only bear of the Middle East, basically? Yeah, it's the Middle Eastern bear. And if you, if you read the uh, if you read about bears in the Bible, that's a pretty big if. But guess what? I do, John. I, know, I do read about I bears in the Bible. I know you do. You've read the Bible so many times. You know all the bear anecdotes in the Bible. Tell me a biblical bear anecdote. Uh, there's the bears that come out of the woods when the boys were making fun of Elisha for being bald. Syrian brown bears, and they kill the kids. Good job, Syrian brown those, bears. Those are, I guess the kids should have thrown cigarettes. The, the kid, that's right. The kids should have been in the Polish army. Uh, but so, no, I don't think 21 years was a long time for him to live. But they were happy years. They were happy years. And uh, just recently, there's been 
a sort of revival of, pri- of Corporal Wojtek in... Uh, yeah, know. I feel bad that we're calling him private and we're yeah. not giving him the rank he, he, he retired on. That's right. Well, and I'm sure, you know, his... There was probably somebody in Poland that continued to collect his benefits uh, yeah, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so just recently, uh, several statues have been erected to the corporal to commemorate, the. I think, both the novelty of his experience and also the goodwill that exists between men and animals that Corporal Wojtek personified. It's a real victory for the uh, one of the most important Natural rights we have, the right to arm bears. That's awful. And that concludes Private Wojtek the Bear, entry 988.HO1308, certificate number 41871, in the omnibus. Now, uh, future listeners of all stripes, possibly mammalian, possibly ursine, Mm -hmm. maybe Syrian brown bears, Maybe uh, they, they regain some of that lost territory. Maybe they come down out of the hills and regularly eat uh, Philistine children. Or Philistine cigarettes. <laughs> Please put down your, your luncheon of delicious cigarettes for a moment and listen as I confess to you that John and I were, as products of our time, uh, avid connoisseurs of the worst thing ever, which is social media, kind yeah. of the cigarette eating of the internet. Barf. Uh, but uh, you could always find us uh, if you wanted to laugh at, at John Roderick or at Ken Jennings on Twitter. John was at John Roderick on Instagram. We were collaboratively at Omnibus Project on pretty much any social media platform worth your while uh, and some that haven't even been invented yet. We were uh, proud to help institute and foment the Futurelings Facebook group uh, on Facebook, which uh, discusses the important academic accomplishments of the Omnibus Project and its various scholastic aims. Um, Please uh, go uh, commune with them. They're delightful. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have any free time left, uh, you can communicate with us directly by sending your electronic missives to theomnibusproject at gmail.com. People of our era, in fact, could send us physical items, Mm -hmm. if you could believe it, Mm -hmm. uh, by mailing them to Omnibus Project, P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Futureling, from our vantage point in your distant past, we're in a place between a time when captured and uh, brutalized bears were used for public entertainment and your time in the future when bears rule the world, or maybe when thoughtful algae have uh, used are using trained bears as uh, as transportation. My guess is these listeners don't even see the difference between a human and a bear. They're like, oh, one kind of mammal. Like they see this as Truman integrating the military. Right. Like, oh, one kind of mammal is now hanging out with another kind of mammal. We don't really get the difference, but okay. Right. It seems weird. They're so enlightened that uh, yeah, they don't know why we wouldn't have had bears in the army all along. Well, uh, we have no idea how long our primitive mammalian civilization survived, but we hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come because, like all life forms, we want to survive and breed. And uh, eat cigarettes. And eat cigarettes. If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. Omnibus. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.